Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is Football Social Daily, Premier League podcast. This is the award-winning Premier League podcast, Football Social Daily. Heartbreak for Newcastle United fans this morning, as after 20 years of waiting to get back in the Champions League, they're out of it before Christmas. It was the group of death for Eddie Howe's side, but late disappointment against AC Milan last night means they finished bottom of the group, and that means no European football entirely. We'll dissect that on today's Football Social Daily. We'll also take a look at the back pages as January zooms into focus, now only a matter of weeks away before the window creaks open. Who will be on the move and who will be welcoming new faces? Welcome along to the show. My name's Niall and alongside me, Joel Tudor and Marley Anderson. Morning, boys. Morning. Morning. Nice of you to join us, Marley. <laughs> that was a creaky little good morning from you, Marley. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, stinging, stinging. Well, first that, of all, how was your spa day yesterday? That's all anyone wants to know about. Well, it was good, but uh, I did the whole day in the wrong order because I spent the whole morning nice and relaxed and whatever, and then got home. Well, number one, went chopping in Manchester, which was raised the stress levels right back to where they big were. Big error, big yeah. error that. Yeah, and then um, and then obviously the stress levels went even higher when I'm watching the backwards and forwards of Newcastle of like we were we were third in the group then we were second in the group and then we were fourth in the group and we were going for the you know the basically went for it all and and came up short but yeah it's one of them in it didn't go our way but good massage though yeah nice really nice <laughs> ironically I woke up today my back's a bit sore I think maybe she's pressed too hard on it but I Quite liked it. <laughs> she didn't start standing on your back. Joel's got a story from Vietnam, was it, Joel? Where someone yeah, st- where I literally turned around and the, the hands turned into a bit of a longer hand. I looked to the side and I just saw this woman stood on my back doing the moonwalk on it. <laughs> yeah. I'm not even joking, literally all They're over like, my back. It was great. Hold on to the ropes, don't they, above yeah. them? It's like just tap to, dancing to on it. Like, the weight, yeah. It was great, though. Me and Joel were joking on yesterday's podcast that even if Newcastle got eliminated from the Champions League, if you had a good massage yesterday, mm. you'd be quite mellow this morning. And to be fair... You are. You are quite relaxed today. Well, knowing knowing you two, I, I don't really know what you were meaning by that. 
As in, you were, were you leading to something sinister? But it was a very nice, very <laughs> nice massage. <laughs> sinister. Yeah, there was definitely some little knowing, uh, knowing looks around the around the microphone there. But no, it's coming up to Christmas. Yeah, was, uh, you know, the good. time of goodwill. <laughs> goodwill to all men, including Newcastle fans. It was really good. Honestly, I had a nice little swim and stuff, and relax. There's a relaxation room, playing music and stuff. Mm. And then I thought I could have done with that today, rather than you know watch watch my team go out and have that today, but. You can drink your sorrows away Christmas today. Christmas party mate. tonight in it, so <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's a retox. Tell you what, winning in the big games isn't for everyone, is it, lads? Let's face oh, it. Good. Get a load <laughs> of this guy. I'm milking Get it while I can. If only we had sake. some Aussie beanpole up front scoring his goals in League One. <laughs> beanpole, he's as massive. <laughs> yeah, beanpole. Beanpole's are really huge. Beanpole's are long and thin, like Peter Crouch. Yeah, he's he's long and thin. Yeah, but he's massive as well. Yeah, but he wasn't as big as that centre back who was chucking yeah, him around. Yeah, the yeah it wasn't as big as Akin uh, Fenmore at the back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dwayne the Rock Johnson at centre back. Anyway, enough about that. Let's talk about Newcastle. It's the big news today. They are out of the Champions League. They waited 20 years to get back into it after finishing fourth last season under Eddie Howe. They were quite unfortunate to be drawn into the group of death. I guess, though, when you do finish fourth, you know you're going to come up against some top teams. And the teams they came up against were Dortmund. PSG and AC Milan and it was the last group game of the competition last night for Newcastle at St James's Park and they ended up losing 2-1. What is the main frustration from being out of the Champions League, Marley? Because you've been unlucky at times. For instance, the PSG 1-1 draw a few weeks back with the penalty that probably shouldn't have been a penalty. But last night, a 2-1 defeat maybe didn't tell the whole story. What's your main feeling after being knocked out? Um, overall, I mean the as we knew at the time, uh, the group changed on the on that shocking penalty decision we got against us in the, in Paris. You know, like four minutes into injury time, supposedly the best referee in the world gives you know a penalty that should just never be given. He didn't give it in real time. VAR got involved. Why is the best referee in the world taking advice from from people who aren't the best referee in the world? It, that in itself makes no sense. So. That was the big turning point. Um, ironically, the the guy who uh, refereed us last night is the best in the world. He was absolutely brilliant, absolutely like he was incredible. They were as soon as they see Milan trying to get around him, he was just in the face. He's like, "Get away from me!" Booked Mike 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 Mignon. I've never mm. been able to say that word, but Mike the AC Milan goalkeeper um, booked him straight away because he gave him the decision, and then Mike was still screaming in his face, so he just booked him. He was like, "Go away." And I was like, that's that's at the tone, top referee. And yeah. it was about 20 minutes in as well. Danny McAuley. Danny McAuley. Is he from Holland? Dutch? You're stretching me. Yes, Dutch. Yeah, yeah there you go. He's a <laughs> my, my, knowledge of referee. My Google Chrome tab just loaded at the perfect time, <laughs> just in time, to make it sound like I knew what I was talking about. Yes, he's Dutch. Yeah, yeah he was brilliant. Um, he also works as a part-time police inspector. Well, that, that explains a lot. Didn't take any stuff from anyone. Um, very good. But, yeah, back to the, I mean, to the, so the whole group, it, obviously, the frustration is getting screwed in 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 Paris. Um, but but my argument to play devil's advocate would be that was the penultimate group stage game, and you did have games before that. So I mean, as much as that is a dreadful decision, and I'm not arguing against it. And yes, you're right; it did change the yeah. complex of the group. But to play devil's advocate, yeah. there were other games in the group that you could have done better in. Yeah, we weren't like we weren't good enough against Dortmund twice. They they worked us out tactically. They were they were spot on. Um, and then AC, we dug in at, at Milan, got a point on the first day. That's that's always a good point to to get. You know, don't get beat away from home, basically. Um, you know, smashed PSG at, at home, which will probably go down in 
memory is, you know, if we if we don't get into the Champions League for another, another 10, 15 years, you'll remember that night, Dan Byrne and Sean Longstaff scoring the goals and stuff like that and the, the poetic nature of the, the night. Um, so then that just kind of like, you know, set it up for the for for the last game week, and I, th- I think th- I think I said at the start of the the season when the groups came out, you know, if it goes down to that last home game against Milan for anything, for Europa, for Champions League qualification, whatever it is, I'd be confident going into that game. But with the way it worked out, my biggest frustration of last night, and it was massive, massive frustration, and I might be being harsh here, but. When it was 1-1 at St. James's, we needed to get a winner to go through. And it was 1-1 in um, in Dortmund as well. So as things stood, we were one goal away from going through. And I know you've got to go for it, but the way we went for it was was like getting to a Champions League final when you're 1-0 down type of thing. Like it just didn't make... We threw everyone forward and that's... As everyone we could throw forward, that was fine. But Fabian Scher got the ball and played a one-two into midfield, and he just carried on running. And I thought, if you don't score here, we're knackered. Massive the gap. The game is yeah. totally stretched. Yeah. They were leaving three up. Um, and also, if it had the, finished one-one, you would have finished in the Europa League position. And so actually, you would have stayed in Europe if it was a draw. But because you chased the winner, you've been knocked out of Europe entirely. And that's my frustration. We had Europa in the bag at that point, and I know you've got to go for Champions League qualification because that's kind of what it's all about. But we were dominating the game; we had them pinned, we had them penned in, and that goal might have come late. Yeah, you, you could have hedged your bets. And, yeah, Mike yeah. Mike in goal was looking <laughs> just flappy at crosses. He was getting worried. He was also on a booking, so he couldn't boot off at anyone. Hmm. Um, balls into the box would have been would have been fine. I feel like we'd have got it. Joe Linton was playing out of his skin all night; like he was the best I've ever seen him. Um, he was a threat and we had so many sort of near chances and Fabian Scher gets the ball he plays a 1-2 and it it's a it's a f- ambitious pass back to him that should never have have been sort of attempted to, to get to him uh, and he doesn't get the ball and they break away and I think I can't remember who it was um, might have been Liao who goes between Bruno and Isaac just before the halfway line on the centre circle mm. and both of them could have just hoofed him just just trip him just trip him bring him down and take the yellow and then there's still five minutes to go which then you can attack again and again and again but instead they both let him through and what then that was three on two and Chuck Wazy comes on obviously he's fresh legs rapid first, cook, first touch of the ball he bends it past Dubravka um, and that's it That was that was it from then so yeah, just frustration at that because we had Europa in the bag, as you said, and I would have liked to be in Europa because I think we can go far. Well, that's a good point and actually something I wanted to raise anyway. <laughs> if you had finished third and gone into the Europa League, like you mentioned, you would have felt confident that you could have gone a decent distance in that competition, if not go all the way and win it. And with the complexion of the Premier League at the moment and the injuries you've got and where you sit in the standings, mm. it seems at the moment unlikely you're going to finish in the top four at the end of the season. So is there more frustration, not just because you could potentially have gone on and won the Europa League, but also had you have done that, it would have given you another route into the Champions League for next season. Whereas it looks like now that you're out of Europe entirely, you are going to be battling for that Conference League or Europa League spot mm. via the league this year. Um, there's a, To be honest, there's a bit of everything because I'm frustrated that 
I thought the experience of playing a full season of two games a week, whether it's Tuesday, Wednesday or Thursday, doesn't doesn't really matter because it's the physical toll you get and the mental toll of what you've got to do to be right in the in the recovery and the tactical thing. That is invaluable, in, mm. in my opinion. And also the financial, it's not as much as the Champions League, obviously, but you still get money for winning the Europa League if you get through the knockout stage and into the yeah. The you, you want to be in Europe. If you're a club that's looking to spend big money, you need to be in Europe, really. Yeah, and chances are it probably wouldn't have won the Europa League, but we would have gone further than we would in the Champions League, I think. Because mm. knowing our luck, we'd have got bloody Real Madrid in the next round if we'd gone through. Because um, I think every game this season where we've had a draw, um, for it to be drawn, we've had Man City, Man United, Chelsea, um, and then now Sunderland in the FA Cup, which can't can't get any bigger for a third round clash, really. So we've had a hell of a, a run, and obviously the, the group of death on top of that as well. So um, ironically, though, finishing fourth allows us to be the team we were last season. Once a week, being a really good team, having two recovery days, two tactical days, yeah. and then a game at the weekend. So I'm almost like this actually gets us, in I, In my opinion, if we'd have been in Europe all season, zero chance of getting the top four. We've proved it. We're, on, we're running on fumes. It's not even Christmas. Mm. So that in February and March, yeah, we'll have players back. We might have some more in January, but it's still a big ask. Um, and they'll be playing two times a week over Christmas anyway, yeah. which it's the only league in Europe that does that. Exactly, yeah. So you're, you're, fighting, you're fighting many sort of battles with that one, but weirdly enough, finishing fourth probably improves our chances of finishing fourth in the league. And mm. even if we get in the Europa, I, I said last year, I'd be more than happy in the Europa last year. Yeah, I think we've almost done it in the wrong order. Of like We've got in the <laughs> Champions too far League too soon, yeah. and then the Europa because we can't cope with the demands of the Champions League and we can't spend the money to get the squad depth what we want it to be. So it's all just uh, a bit crazy, but... It's, that's football now, isn't it? Yeah, well, the Champions League is set to undergo a restructure, isn't it? They're going to change it to a league format, mm. so there's a good chance that finishing fifth yeah, I hate that in though. the Premier League could see you in the Champions League next season. But, but that's a even even that us going out last night and Man United going out the, the night before dips the coefficient. Yeah, massively. Though. But like, also, the, then, only the top two leagues get the fifth spot. Yeah, yeah but and, but you think about Italy it. Germany, Man City yeah. won the Champions League last season, West Ham won the Conference League last season and got to the final of the Europa the season before. Leicester got to the semi-final of the Conference. Villa will probably win it this year. Mm. I think that Premier League spot to be fifth and get a Champions League place, I think that will be fine, to be honest. I think it will be safe. I'm, but, I mean, it's hard to know, I'm isn't sure. it? It's really hard to know. But away from that and back to Newcastle, Joel, Marley mentions how playing twice a week for half a season isn't as valuable as playing twice a week for a whole season. Do you think Newcastle and Eddie Howe and those players will be better for this experience of being in the Champions League? Some of them have never played European football before, let alone Champions League football. Eddie Howe had never managed a European game in his managerial career and now all of a sudden he's in the group of death in the Champions League going to places like the Parc des Princes and the San Siro and Borussia Dortmund. So... Do you think Newcastle will be better for the experience, even though they finished bottom of the group and they're now out? Yeah, of course. I think for Eddie Howe, personally, obviously this was his first campaign in Europe. So as a coach, this will do wonders for him in terms of managing his squad, the workload, how to manage the European atmospheres and the groups. I mean, for any manager, and to be honest, any team, I always remember when Manchester City first got into the Champions League back in, what was it, 2010, 2011, and they were getting some really tough groups every single year because they were finishing fourth. 
So they get the likes of Napoli when Edison Cavani was up front or Real Madrid or Bayern Munich in the group and it was really tough for them to get out. That's why for Newcastle and for Newcastle fans, I wouldn't really see this campaign as a failure because I always said when they actually got into the group, first and foremost, I think getting into top four was almost expedited. I don't even think the owners expected them to get top four so soon. It felt like a gradual plan. Mm. But the fact that they got it, I always said when the, the draw was actually happening that I just didn't think Newcastle had the depth in terms of quality from the bench and it kind of showed. I know they've had a lot of injuries, but when you look at the likes of Man City, Arsenal, their teams who were established in Europe, they had the bench and he knows how to understand how to manage his squads much better, I think. But I think in the next couple of years, three years, let's say, when Newcastle will be probably there or thereabouts for top four every year, they'll be way more equipped. This is now more about building, like Marley said, they need to get the revenues from the Champions League to then allow them space to spend and they need to get the experience. So for me, it's it's just, it's an inevitable failure if you want to categorise And there's always a lag to these things. Yeah. So Newcastle's participation in the Champions League won't be reflected in the books for another 18 months, probably two years, by the time that money becomes, you know, accounted for, let's just say. It's not like, oh, we finish in the Champions League, let's go and spend loads of money. I don't think it quite works like that in terms of football financing. You no, can but, try but you and can, do that, but... You can amortise it a little bit by saying, we've definitely got this amount coming in two years, so Well, that's all look right. at a club like Leicester City, who tried to do that banking on their Premier League survival, and then they go down, and then yeah, you've true. got problems. So yeah. you never know in this game. That's the re- reason we, we love it, because it is so unpredictable. There is jeopardy yeah. involved. But Newcastle are out of not just the Champions League, but Europe as well. Well, they finished fourth in the group, which means no Europa League. So disappointment for Eddie Howe and his players. But it will be focusing back on the Premier League. And on tomorrow's Football Social Daily, we'll be talking about some of the weekend's Premier League fixtures, including Manchester United against Liverpool. That is a huge game. And actually, as you'd expect, on the back pages, Manchester United absolutely dominating with lots of rumours about player departures and even manager departures. We'll talk about that next on FSD. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. 
Welcome back. This is Football Social Daily, an award-winning Premier League podcast. If you like what you hear, why not leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify? And why not subscribe as well or hit follow or whatever it might be on your favourite podcast platform. And that way, when a new show is available, you'll be notified straight away. Now, though, on the podcast, we're going to talk about some of the gossip doing the rounds on the back pages of today's British newspapers and lots to do with Manchester United, as you probably won't be surprised to hear, Joel. You're the United fan amongst us. And actually, a lot of the talk on the back pages is about the future of Eric Ten Hag. And we both agreed, actually, yesterday, didn't we, that there's probably no real point in getting rid of Eric Ten Hag because Manchester United will just be in the same position as they have been after several previous managers. Sack him. (laughs) Sack him. No, I'm joking. I I agree. Well, you agree. And actually, the independents say that Ten Hag isn't at risk of the sack because the club don't want to make any big sort of seismic decisions before that Jim Ratcliffe takeover is ratified, which was supposed to be during the November international break. It's now looking like it's going to be during the January transfer window that that 25% 25%, sale is confirmed. Is that even a takeover? Well, it's It's a 25% takeover of the Glazers share in the club. So it's the 25% of the Glazers... Class A and Class B shares, which, which means is not even 100% impact. of the club. Yeah, so it's, it's a little bit confusing. But before we get into that, the independents say that Ten Hag isn't in line to lose his job. The Sun say that former Chelsea and Brighton manager Graham Potter is being lined up to replace him. So, <laughs> I mean, nobody <laughs> knows what's going on. From. I mean, let's what, just... A man who benefits from a very clear long-term plan and works in a very methodical way. And <laughs> well, if if, if Ra- oh this my. is the point, Marley, isn't it? If Ratcliffe comes in, it takes like this twenty five percent and yeah, then yeah. becomes the head of footballing operations and takes that side of the club away from the current ownership and focuses on that, mm. then maybe there might be a place for Graham Potter. It's not nice to speak of someone who's in a job as if they haven't got a job, but for the sake of this gossip on the back pages, Graham Potter is still out of work. We've said he'd be a great fit for someone like West Ham if they decide to get rid of David Moyes. But what about Manchester United? He couldn't do it at a big club like Chelsea with lots of turbulence in the background. So would he be able to do it at Manchester United? First of all, I don't know where he's plucked that name from. Insane to me. I don't know who the journalist was who actually did that. (laughs) Neil Custis. Um, (laughs) You too, fat man. (laughs) Legendary clip, that one. We're Um, getting sued. (laughs) 100%. Because we didn't didn't contact Louis van Gaal for his official uh, thing there. Because that was was Louis van Gaal, That was easy copyrighted, copyrighted that phrase. But when you look at Graham Potter, I mean, you looked at the Chelsea situation. I do have sympathy for him with that situation because you're even looking at Pochettino now, who's way more established as a manager. He's got way more experience than Potter. And even still, he's struggling with the current regime that's going on. So with Graham Potter, I mean, if you asking me on the back of him doing really well for Brighton. I might have potentially considered it, but now that I'm looking at every single person that leaves Brighton and never maintains that level, it just shows to me that Brighton is a it's a bubble. It's like Hogwarts. When the kids leave Hogwarts and go back home, the magic dies until you go back to Hogwarts. It feels like there. You leave Tony Bloom's circus, it's a good circus, you leave it and you lose your ability to go and walk the tightrope. That's the way I'm seeing it right now. You look at Moises Caicedo going to Chelsea. He looks completely different to what he did at Brighton because I feel like it's a very specialised system where everyone has a particular job in that very particular system. And then they leave, they go into a completely new world and suddenly they look like a small fish in a big pond. Well, that was exactly the terminology I was going to use. Do you feel like it's because Brighton are a club of 
honest, hardworking players who are looking to stand out, that the ones that are impressive do stand out more. Whereas Moises Caicedo, with all due respect to Brighton, it was only Brighton he was playing for. Do you understand what I mean? exactly. Whereas someone like Bellingham, who's gone to Real Madrid and shone, has increased his profile, it's increased his stock as a football player. Caicedo has made a step from Brighton to Chelsea and he's not the most outstanding player on the pitch in a team full of good players, although they're not playing well at the moment, but there's plenty of good talent there. And I think maybe that's the crux of it, really. Whereas when you're at Brighton, you are trying to impress, you're trying to shine. It's a little bit more relaxed because everyone's there for the same reason. Whereas at Chelsea, all of a sudden, you've gone for a British record transfer fee of 115 million and that can weigh on a player. 100%. I mean, you look at the Casado deal isolated he's joined Brighton from Ecuador for what was it four million no expectation I think he was on a very basic salary to the point where his agent was basically out in them in public to say he needs he wants to get paid pretty much and he had loads of agents loads of yeah loads of hangers on a lot of people with hands in all the pies and that's why nothing's no not not his fault at all no chance he's obviously been guided yeah he's been guided he's come from like he's come from nothing in Ecuador but it's, it's it's a pretty poor country yeah and he's getting paid I think at the start he was getting paid five, yeah, it was a ten grand a week salary. or something yeah, like that, yeah. and you know they were leeching on him then. So now he's worth ten times as much. He's on, you know, he's on over hundred grand on what his wages, but he's clearly over hundred grand. If you're you being paid, I mean, if you're getting bought for hundred and ten million, your salary's got to equate to that, yeah, hasn't it? Definitely. And that's yeah. why I've always been, I've always had an issue with these big transfers because, like you just said, with Jude Bellingham, justified that transfer fee because he was doing it in Europe. He was doing it in a top league, justified. He was doing it in the European Championships, justified. He nearly won Bundesliga with him. Exactly. And he was the vice captain. Mm. I mean, that's all at 19 years old. You compare that to the same fee for Moises Casado. He's had one year. Well, you're right, isn't it? Standing out of Dortmund is better than standing out of Brighton, isn't it? He's in with a genuine shout of winning the Ballon d'Or next year by Bellingham. 100%. Obviously, he's a very, very unique and special talent. You can't exactly compare the two. But I mean, one team has just paid £110 for Casado. He's had one good season in the league where he was next to McAllister, who mm. probably brought out the best. He's thing a good player, but well, he's not. He's not that money. I genuinely no, don't know where that fee is coming. But from. nor's Anthony eighty million. I know. And nor's that's Harry why I Maguire eighty five. That's why I don't. Paul Pogba eighty nine. I, mean, I don't how blame many, how many. Do you, I don't blame. Do I know, but I don't blame the players for that because now they've got that price tag for life. Yeah. So every single movement is scrutinised. Yeah. Whereas Brighton's Casado, if he made an error, it cost four million. I, I think really it's credit anything. to Brighton in the way they brokered the deal because if Declan Rice is £105 million and he's the best central midfield player in the Premier League... Only Chelsea wanted to pay the fee. Actually, no, Liverpool wanted to pay the fee, didn't they? Well, Klopp um, even said, mm. oh, like, welcome to Liverpool and whatever. So, Back to Graham Potter. That was the original point taken from this story on the back page of The Sun. Would he work at Manchester United in your opinion, Marley? What do you think? No. Um, because... I agree with what you said yesterday. Uh, it doesn't matter whether you, you know, you could, you, yeah, you can sack Ten Hag, but who do you get? Because it's still still a bit of a circus. Um, there's no football people in football positions upstairs at Man United. There was it. There was at Brighton. There was, you know, from top as in owner to to bottom as in coach. There was everything. Specialist people. There was round holes at uh, round pegs in round holes. There was Dan Ashworth there. There was Graham Potter there. There was um, Tony Bloom happy to to oversee it and invest in it. And look at them all now. They've been headhunted by other clubs because they're like, well, he's really good. 
and it's like Brighton are still re- recovering and regrouping and going again mm. and that's fine because they're still doing well in the league and they're through in the Europa League and everything like that um, but to bring Potter into Man United where nobody really knows whose job's what and there's a lot of guys there taking big salaries and not doing that much work and oh I've been working all this week on getting a new uh, pillow partner and it's like, why do you need that? You need somebody who's going to scout you a bloody right back because all your right backs are rubbish. Or a centre back because Varane might go. Or, and Johnny Evans came to do his coaching badges, ends up getting chucked on the field in at Bayern Munich saying, go and try and keep a clean sheet against Harry Kane. Yeah, we know you're 35 and it's a big ask, but you know what I mean? It's It's all a bit of a mess there. And also I think the fans... So you think, I guess, what you're trying to say is that the football side of things is in such a mess at the moment that even if Graham Potter did come in, because it would take time to align that stuff above board, like a good sporting director, good scouts, by the time that was in place, it might be too late for Graham Potter in terms of results already on the pitch. Yeah, because it takes takes so long to get Mm. those board... Uh, you know, senior sort of guys it takes so long. It yeah, took, it does. It's. I mean, Newcastle had Eddie Howe and stuff like that, and that was fine. Um, picking the team up off the floor, he was always going to be able to do that. It doesn't matter who's above him, but ultimately, he knew the system was was coming in. He knew knew um, Dan Ashworth was coming. He knew Darren Eels was coming, the CEO, to sort the the sponsors and therefore provide money that Dan Ashworth can go and spend with Eddie Howe and saying, right, we need a left back, go and get one, and that's how we end up with Liveramento for cut price fee we ended up having to sell St Maximan because Livermento wasn't wasn't in the the plan but he became available for the right price so we used the Maximan thing replaced him with Barnes and then signed Livermento on top of that and that's that's the plan you have to have but for some period Potter will be going into exactly this Man United setup and being asked to do you know, to turn things round when Ten Hag's failed and Solskjaer's failed. And but Mourinho's why not just failed. stick with Ten Hag? And I know you agree, and you agree as well, Joel, to stick with Ten Hag, and I'm of the same stick thinking. With, why stick not with just stick with him? That 100%. Yeah. 100%. Once yeah. the structure changes and it's and you're happy that everyone can do their jobs above And Ten Hag them, still isn't getting results, then you can think then you about sack changing. Him. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Then you go, because I, I agree at the minute, no, no manager, there's maybe one or two who, who, who could come in and get second place or first place or a trophy out of this Man United side it's not it's yeah. all over the place well another name that's being linked with the Manchester United job and I just want to reiterate Eric Ten Hag has not been sacked he's still in his position but just for the sake of this section of the podcast Spanish publication Relevo is reporting that Julen Lopetegui is well placed to succeed Eric Ten Hag if they do decide to get rid of the Dutchman now this is a guy who walked out of Wolves four days before the start of the season because he wasn't <laughs> given the promises he wanted in terms of being able to spend and the finances around the club. Walked out on Spain in the World Cup a few years ago, yeah. didn't he, as well? Just after getting the Real Madrid job Because he said, well. oh, I've got the Real Madrid lab job, lads. But he keeps getting jobs. All he keeps getting jobs. So he's managed big clubs and big teams. He managed yeah, Spain, yeah. managed Real Madrid, yeah. managed Sevilla as well. So, I mean, what do you think of that? No, no chance. Again, it feels like the media are just plucking names out of the hat because it's a very convenient story to run. But if you want to actually look at Lopetegui, like what Marley's just said, he doesn't have the greatest track record when you look back at what he's done. 
I mean, even the fact that he never got to manage Real Madrid because he couldn't keep his mouth shut for two seconds. It's like when you won the lottery and you start screaming it down the street and then all your family start disowning you because you've won it and you're not giving them anything. Or you turn around and there's about 100 people pulling things out of your front room. Someone's carrying a TV, someone's got your watch. It's like that Simpsons movie where everyone starts robbing their stuff from the house. Um, Yeah, it's a non-starter, absolutely. It feels like the same ilk of like a Van Gaal type interim managerial change for me. Like you've both said, and I'll reiterate and I'll reiterate till the cows come home, no manager is succeeding in this current system ever. You even looked at it when Guardiola first went into City, he needed the right people in the job, the right players to play the football that he wanted to play. His first season wasn't great at all, and everyone forgets that. That's why I'm saying, like you've just both said, and it's absolutely right, wait until we actually have a director of football, we know his face, we know his name, we know what he needs to do, and the Glazers are so far away from the sporting department that we cannot see them anymore. That's what has to happen. I'm glad you mentioned Pep Guardiola and I'm glad you mentioned signings at Manchester City because that segues us nicely into a conversation about Calvin Phillips. Oh, and there's been a few... plan that. Look at that seamless. <laughs> like there's Beck. been a few um, reports, Marley, over the last, not just today, but the last week or so, coming up to the January window about Calvin Phillips and whether he's got a place at Manchester City. Pep Guardiola the other day, and I'm paraphrasing here, by the way, so apologies, City fans, if I'm taking this a little bit out of context. Pep Guardiola, I believe, said something like he feels sorry for Calvin Phillips and he doesn't see a place for him in the team in the future. My question would then be, why did they sign him? him? (laughs) I don't know. Um, I feel sorry for Calvin Phillips. He's he's done nothing wrong. Um, You know, Pep said he's he's a lovely guy. He's always always here. He's always happy, smiling. Yeah, probably because he's earning 150 grand a week, Pep, but it is what it is. He's clearly trying to be good enough to get in the team, isn't he? Yeah. And And he's been been called overweight by the manager. He's now been told he's got no place in the team by the manager. Yeah. And and Pep's honest, obviously, about the situation and says he's a nice guy. That can't be easy for Calvin Phillips. I I just think all, all it was was Bielsa's system made him look so good and Pep thought he was getting a technically better player. And he's he's just not the level Pep was expecting. He's still a very high level, but Pep's level, it's stupid. You know, Pep's got De Bruyne, Gundogan, Rodri. Um, you know, he's had Fernandinho in the in the past as well. And think back, he's got Busquets, Xavi, yeah. Iniesta. His level is just too high for Calvin Phillips. So well, let's Calvin say he... Phillips could easily get into a Europa League team. Well, that's what I was going to say. League team. If he leaves in January, Probably. where does he go? Does he stay in the Prem? Is he better off going abroad and trying his luck there? What do you think? He's been well, he's been linked with Newcastle quite a lot. Um, on a, I think maybe on a loan to the end of the season, which might be interesting. But I'd I'd, I'd take him. But I think we need a holding midfielder rather than a another box to box guy because, as we've seen last night harp it back to Newcastle as I'm contractually obliged to do <laughs> a proper holding midfielder boots um, yeah, yeah, Rafael yeah. Leao in the middle Rodri and just, does. T- just takes it Fernandinho does 100% yeah, yeah, 100%. Fernandinho kicks him probably before he gets the ball because he's already seen the danger and he's gone sod it kicks him into the lease <laughs> yeah, yeah he ends up yeah, he ends up hanging off the Gallagher crowd <laughs> that's what it is yeah you're totally right actually and I think the Calvin Phillips one is really interesting because he still gets in the England squad so he's clearly a player that Gareth Southgate wants to use. But if he's not playing games leading up to the Euros, is that going to damage England's chances in terms of progression in that tournament? Who knows? Final one we're going to talk about on today's show. It's to do with Aston Villa. And there are a few rumours as to who Aston Villa might try and bring in. But because they're third in the table, Joel, on 35 points in the title race, as we've already discussed this week, two points off Liverpool in top spot. Do they need to reinforce? Will Unai Emery be going to the Villa 
board and saying, get me some more players because we need to capitalise on this position that we're in. Nothing to suggest that the players that Villa have got right now are no good because clearly they are. They've been absolutely brilliant. But when you're in a position of strength, you almost need to double down on that, don't you? Yeah, and I compared their situation to Arsenal this time last year when they went into the January transfer window and they were going for Mudrick and then they ended up with Leandro Trossard and who knows what would have happened with Mudrick. I think he actually would have been way better in the Arsenal team, to be honest. I think they play to how he likes to play. Not to say that he would have been you know, incredible there, but I think he would have been better than at Chelsea. But I, I remember saying clearly in that January last year, Arsenal need to go and get someone. They need to go and capitalise on the fact they're top of the league. Like this could be the only chance they get to win the title in God knows how long until Man City and all these teams start recouping and going again. And then they just ended up with Trossard and I think they went for Louise as well. Aston Villa's Louise and didn't get him for a cut price. Aston Villa would be stupid not to go and get some more reinforcements. And that's purely because they need to trust in what Emery's already done so far. When you look at the transfers that they've made, each one that he's made has been a pretty decent success. I mean, you look at Diaby and you look at Paul Torres. Diaby was one who was wanted by a lot of teams in Europe, so I feel like that was a sure fit, let's say. Paul Torres, I didn't think he would have been good enough for the Premier League. He was linked with United a lot. Hmm. was incredible for Villarreal. And he's coming in, he's really been a solid defender for them. And then you're looking in so many areas of the pitch, and I think if the Aston Villa owners trust in this project they need to go in January yeah, they've got Any, to trust Emery to, they yeah. have to don't they when's I'm the sure next they time, do when's the next time they're going to be in this position yeah, you have to capitalise that's the really difficult bit right that's it for today's Football Social Daily we're off to have our Christmas drinks lads so by the time that you listen to this Marley might be upside down in a hedge or I'll be an A&E, smashing yeah. his chin his on chin the floor somewhere like he did last year <laughs> fighting with the ground for some reason um, but I hope you enjoyed the podcast we will be back again tomorrow we'll let you into a little secret we won't be recording the podcast on the same day tomorrow because we're probably all going to be in bed feeling a little bit worse for wear. But we will be discussing Liverpool against Manchester United, one of the biggest games in English football, which takes place this Sunday. How do we see it going? We'll find out on tomorrow's show, Football Social Daily, by hitting subscribe or follow on your favourite podcast platform. But from us for now, that's it. We'll speak to you again soon on FSD. See you later. Football Social Daily is a voice work sport production for the Sports Social Podcast Network.